title of this morning's message is co-laborer or co-worker. Now, we've talked about several different things. We've talked about being paid in full, and we talked about our assurance in Christ Jesus. We've talked about um, our job description and the four messages that we're in now. We've talked about uh, co-partner, where we're partners in this thing. Jesus doesn't just want uh, part of your life. He wants all of your life. Last week, my boy Robert White talked about community and how our community, we need to transform it from believing a lie that they believe that we're just trying to get something from them. We're not trying to get something from them. We're trying to bring something to them, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, today we're going to figure out how to do our part to get something to them by talking about co-laborers. So stand with me this morning as we read God's Word. I know I haven't done that in a while, but I want you to be excited about what we're doing. Be ready. Be prepared for what God's going to have you do. In Matthew 9, 36, it says, when he saw the crowds, and I'm going to stop and ask you a question, who you been looking at? Who you been looking at? When he saw the crowds, it means his eyes were open. And remember, we talked about it in our DNA. We're constantly looking. We got our eyes open. We're looking to who God would have us touch. Who you been looking at? Who you been watching for? When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. When you see them, what are you thinking about them? See, there's something in that. Jesus saw them, but he just didn't see them. When he saw them, he thought about something. So much so he had compassion. Sympathy is when you recognize the problem. Compassion is when you do something to change the problem. So he saw the crowds. He had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he looked at his disciples and he said, my boys, the harvest is plentiful. I need some people to labor with me. The laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. In Jesus' name, Lord, bless the reading of your word and let it transform our life today. And all God's people said, amen. And as you're being seated this morning, we know what we're going to do this year. We're going to reach. We're going to raise eternal and community hope. And God gave us this mandate. It's in um, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. It says, but we will both celebrate or glory in only with regard to our area of influence to reach even you, the ones who have been assigned unto us. And so God's given us an assignment. He's given us an area of influence. And now it's our job to reach them, to raise eternal and community hope in every area of their life. And so throughout the last half of this year, I hope you're ready to lead somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you're ready to come in contact with somebody that you see somebody and you feel something for them. And you know it's your job to reach out to them. Just like Jesus said, he saw them and he had compassion on them that you're going to see somebody. It's going to change who you are on the inside because you know that's the person you're supposed to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe everyone this year needs to lead somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ in the year 2017. Not bring them to church on a bring a friend day. No, in Walmart parking lot, you lead them to the Lord. In a convenience store parking lot, you tell them about Jesus because we don't just live Jesus on Sunday. We live him 24-7 all the days of our life. And in doing that, we're going to ignite nations around the world. We're going to impact the four-state area. But more than that, we're going to influence and change the culture of this 20-mile radius. And I've asked you these questions every time I preached throughout this series what past experiences or skills qualify you to work at a place called Jesus company there's something inside of you that Jesus died and paid the price for for it to be redeemed and it's your gift and it's your calling and it's your destiny for him to redeem it to bring it back into the kingdom of God so you have a quality that can be used in the kingdom of God to change somebody's life with the gospel of Jesus Christ 
Some of you, it's your voice and you're called to sing, but you ain't been singing. Some of you, it's your ability to teach or preach and you hadn't been teaching or preaching. Some of you, and this is a spiritual gift, that the gift of service and God's called you to serve in a certain area, but you haven't been serving. And God wants to redeem that gift, redeem whatever's inside of you, bring it back into right standing, bring it back into its original state where he created it for you to use it for kingdom purposes. And so everything that he's given us in our life not just needs to be born again when you get born again. You must use your gift and redeem it. Say, God, I bring this gift to you, and I ask that you make it just like it was never broken or tainted with the fallen sin nature world, and I want to use it for your kingdom's glory to transform the world I'm in. And many of us, our gift is called to serve. And so if you're called to serve, I'm going to put in a plug for Derek Dillon as he's leading a TWBC Connect meeting after seven, second service. If you would like to help serve and you don't know where to begin, this is where you begin. Come to a meeting right after second service today or get in touch with Derek Dillon and say, I just want to serve. I just want to help. I just want to do something. Some of you may have been a member here for the last 15 years, but you haven't ever done a lot with what God's called you to do. Well, come to a new members class. I know you hadn't, you're not new, but if you've been here a long time and you don't know where to fit in, we have a, a welcome home party at the end of this month where you can come in during second service, hear all about the church and areas that you can serve the kingdom of God. See, you're never serving a church. You're always serving your father. But if you get in the mindset, I'm serving a church, you're going to get mad and grumpy about what you're doing. If you're honoring the father in all that you do, that's why I do what I do is to honor him, not to serve a church. It'll change your perspective on everything. So we want you to figure out what skills, gifts, qualities you have that you can use for the kingdom of God. Also, who are your three people, your three references that will hold you accountable? To say, I, want not, I don't just want to see you doing something. I'm going to hold you accountable to do something in the kingdom of God and make a difference. And also, finally, if the current worship service that I'm attending were my first day on the job, would I be fired by the time Joel gets up to preach on Sunday morning? Did you come in on time? Did you come in ready to work? Did you come in ready to worship? Did you come in ready to pray? Did you come in saying, what do I get? Or did you come in looking, who can I give something to? It's all the different mindsets that you have when you go in. And so I want you to come into church with the mindset of what can I do to serve the kingdom of God? Because I promise when you step out to meet somebody else's need, God will step in and meet your need in an awesome and amazing way. And so as we jump into this morning's message, we talked about um, our job description as a co-laborer. And the Bible says this in Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Some versions say we are his craftsmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I love this. It says you are God's workmanship. You are God's craftsmanship. You are not thrown together by some biological mutation of stuff over millions of years. You are intricately created. You are intricately crafted by a heavenly father who loves you deeply and desperately. You are not the product of millions of organisms just coming together by fault or by circumstance or by happenstance. You did not evolve into who you are. You were created specifically and uniquely, uniquely and purposefully for a kingdom purpose. Amen. And the reason people do not fulfill their destiny is because they've been brainwashed thinking they are just some sort of mutated creature that evolved over millions of years rather than somebody telling them, no, you were crafted, fearfully and wonderfully made. He knew you before he laid the foundations of the earth. He saw you in his mother's womb. He know how many hairs are on your head. And if you're bald, it's zero. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. He crafted you. 
He made Joel quirky for a reason, amen. He crafted you. He made you the exact way he wanted you to be. And some of you hate who you are, therefore you can never fulfill the destiny of what he's called you to become. And so I want you to, in your life this morning, to read this verse of Scripture. This verse of Scripture, it's in your job description. It's Ephesians 2.10. For Joel is his workmanship and his craftsmanship. Mm. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works for the kingdom of God. Now that is so important to me when I read that. Because I was created by a loving father through Christ Jesus, the one who loves me and gave his life for me, and now I'm filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, all of the kingdom of heaven has to offer to do good works here in the earth. God invested something into you. He didn't just give you something, he invested something. And a lot of us, we sit here and think, well, God, I just need this, and if you would just do this. No, God's already invested into you. See, sometimes we ask God to do what we should be doing. He's already done a ton of stuff for you. And you got to walk in full assurance, paid in full, in the blood of Jesus Christ, that what God has done is perfect and it's good in every way. And I'm not a mistake, but I'm planned. And he's got good works for me to do in his kingdom to accomplish great and mighty things. And a lot of us, as we walk into the things that we should be doing in the kingdom of God, we come in and you picture yourself in a big massive auditorium and you're about to watch an amazing game and you're watching 12 to 24 people on a field depending on what sport you're watching and you come into church with the expectancy of a, of, a, of a game in an auditorium and we come in with the expectancy that we should sit down and just watch and be a spectator while 12 to 24 people do a lot of stuff on Sunday mornings. When God never called you to be a spectator, he called you to be a player in the field. You're crafted, you're created, made to do good works for his kingdom purposes, amen. And you got a call and you got a role to fulfill right here in TWBC, right here at this campus, right here with what God is doing. And I promise there's more positions that we need help with than you could ever imagine. And the question is, will you come in to this realm knowing that you're crafted, knowing that you're created, knowing that you're intricately designed to do one thing, and that's to do good works for the kingdom, or will you come in as a spectator watching every 24 to 48 other people do a lot of work saying, if I could just be like them. God doesn't want you like me. God wants you like you. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Handcrafted by the creator of the universe. He created you. And he didn't create you to come in and watch and be entertained. But in America, we are an entertainment society. We want to go to stadiums and watch games. We want to watch it on TV. We want to sit back and watch and watch and watch. I don't know. I've never been much of a watcher in my, in my life. I've always been a doer. And even when I'm watching a sports game, part of me wishes I was doing the sports game. Even when I'm watching a concert, part of me wishes I was on the stage of the concert doing the other thing. And a lot of us, you've come in with a spectator mentality because of the cultural environment that we've created in America, thinking it's my job to watch church, not be the church and do the church and accomplish the kingdom work of the church. Wow. Yeah. And so 
I'm going to say this, and I want you to know how true it is. We're all in this together. We're all in this together. It is spelled team, T-E-A-M. We're all in this together. And you have a part to play to do good works. You've been crafted and created in the kingdom of God to do amazing things. And you're co-laboring. Your partnership with Christ has you seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. But your co-laboring position in Christ means you have works to fulfill as a partner doing labor here in the kingdom work that we're doing. I look at it like this. You have the president, CEO, full partner of an organization, but he still has work that he has to do. He doesn't just get to sit back there as a silent investor and watch everybody else work. God never signed up for you to be a silent investor or me to be a silent investor. He called us to be partners, but also full-time laborers in his kingdom. Because he wants to be in touch with what's going on in his kingdom. And when you're in touch with his kingdom, he's in touch with his kingdom. If you get out of touch with the kingdom, he's not getting an accurate representation of his kingdom. He wants you in touch with the kingdom and all that he does. This morning as we talk about Three things we're going to talk about work ethic, we're going to talk about operations, and we're going to talk about leading. How do you lead? I want to address the issue of work ethic just for a moment. <laughs> Not a popular term. A lot of people don't like work ethic. But work ethic in the kingdom is different than work ethic in the worldly place. Work ethic in the kingdom comes from a different level. Your work ethic in the kingdom is based in your partnership, not in your ability. Okay? Your work ethic in the kingdom is based in your partnership, not your ability. Listen to this in Hebrews 4, verses 9 through 11. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters into God's rest also rests from their works. Okay, now how does this equate to us here in the earth? Anyone who enters into God's rest, this means you've received, I've been seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. It means you received the benefits of partnership. You didn't give him 50-50%. It's not a 50-50% partnership. He says, I need more than your heart. I need your whole life. I need your spirit, your soul, your body, everything about you. I need 100%, Joel, and I'm giving you 100% of me. It's a 100%, 100% partnership. And so it says this, for anyone who enters into that rest of partnership also rest from their work just as God did from him. Now, what does that mean as a co-laborer? It doesn't mean you do nothing. It means all the work you do is based out of your partnership, not your ability to achieve something. Because everything in the kingdom must be received, not achieved. See, in the American culture, we have a thing called the corporate ladder. And we've incorporated the corporate ladder into the church. And we think by the corporate ladder standard of America, we'll have a hierarchy in the church, and God never planned for it to be that way. He never planned for it to be that way. In fact, every gift has made you unique, so you're a valuable part. And the Bible says, if the eye should say to the hand, if I am not you, and da-da-da, we can go down those scriptures. So you've got to take your corporate mindset or corporate ladder mindset out of the church for a little bit, or for all of it, actually. And you've got to start thinking like this. I'm a 100%, 100% partner in the kingdom. Because my gift is different than Pastor Jeff's gift and Pastor Mitch's gift and Pastor Damon's gift and the elder's gift. Doesn't mean I'm lesser. It just means I'm a different part in the corporation. It doesn't mean lesser. There's no less thing in the kingdom. See, God doesn't have grandkids. We're all his kids. 
We're all his children. We're all in this thing together. But some of us have had a corporate mindset that we brought into the church that says, wow, I guess to become this, I've got to achieve something. No, you've got to learn to enter into his rest and receive everything. All the things of the kingdom can only be received, not achieved, but you'll show how much you're receiving by how much you're achieving. Does that make sense? See, the more you receive, then the more you'll accomplish for the kingdom. The more you just try to achieve, the, the more you'll be spinning your wheels or like running in mud. Or have you ever tried to run through water that's waist deep? Yeah. It's not the easiest thing to do. You don't get very far very fast. And many of us, we're trying to run through water that's waist deep because you're in this corporate ladder mindset. You're trying to achieve when the things of the kingdom can only be received, but you'll show how much you're receiving by how much you're conquering and achieving in the kingdom. But if you get the achievement before the receiving, you're going to be backwards your whole life and be frustrated and miserable. If you get the receiving part right, then you'll be achieving great things for the kingdom of God. And we must be a a body of Christ that receives so we can achieve. And it says, for anyone who has entered into the rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Therefore, let us make every effort to enter into that rest so that no one will perish by following the other example of disobedience. As you're working in Kingdom Incorporated, we must labor, but we labor from a place of rest in who we are as a partner, not as a worker trying to gain a higher status in the kingdom by what we do. What you'll do will only be shown by what you received. And so what you received has everything to to do with what you're going to accomplish or do in the kingdom of God. And some of you, to accomplish things, you don't just really need to receive uh, confidence in your gift. You need to receive forgiveness from issues in your life so that your gift can be unveiled. Because right now, many of you, your gifts are covered with stuff. And everything in the kingdom must be received, not achieved. And so we got to receive all the things of the kingdom and all the things of God because we're partners entering this place. And everything we do must be from a place of rest. Since I've made this shift in my life over the past five years, I did the, and I'll get into this more, I did the first 10 years of ministry always trying to achieve, always trying to accomplish the next big thing, always trying to make a name for our church, always trying to be something in the community, always trying to do something to to show our worth, always trying to accomplish something to show our value as a church. And God says, you already have great value, Joel. When will you realize you're created in Christ Jesus? You're my craftsmanship to do good works. If you'll work from this place of rest, you'll receive from me and you'll accomplish all the desires of your heart. But if you keep trying to achieve, you're just going to be frustrated and miserable all your life. You must work or labor from a place of rest in the kingdom of God and in your life. I'm reminded of this when I tell this part of the message. It's the story of two work perspectives. And there's two great baseball players out there, and y'all are going to hate both of them because we're Texas Rangers fans, correct? And one is Alex Rodriguez. I was waiting for more boos than that, man. I was figuring people like, boo. One is Alex Rodriguez, his one is uh, Manny Ramirez. Now, if you don't know baseball, you don't know these guys, but Alex Rodriguez and Manny, Ramir- Manny Ramirez, you could not be more opposite of players. You cannot get more opposite than to these two players. You got Alex Rodriguez who comes up to the plate, and he is the most calculated and precise person out there. And he's sitting there in his stance. Don't make fun of my baseball stance because I never played baseball. In his stance, and as he's watching the pitcher, his face is intense, 
He's looking at the pitcher. He's, he, he's watching every move the pitcher makes and how he moves his foot. He's like, okay, it's a fastball. Okay, he moved. it's a curveball. Okay, no, he's fixing to throw a slider. Okay, no, he's fixing to change again. And it's like he's always click, 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 processing. And he's watching so intently. And then as he's getting ready to hit, the pitcher throws the ball. And because he's click, 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 processing, it's like as he releases, he's like, there it is. It's the curveball. Bang! And he hits it. He's calculated. He works hard. He's trying to achieve, but he's working from a place of achievement, not a place of rest. Now you have Manny Ramirez, on the other hand. And he's known for, the, for, for and the, the announcers always said this, it's just Manny being Manny. Because he's crazy. Got the long dreads, got the ball cap on, kind of sideways, gets up there with the helmet on, adjusts it, and he's just watching the pitcher. He's doing all this stuff. I'm sure he's thinking ice cream. Oh, what's going on there? Hey, that's a corn dog up there. That corn dog looks good. Oh, the pitch. Bang. If y'all have watched Manny Ramirez, you know what I'm talking about. It's like his mind is not anywhere close to where it should be. Completely relaxed when he gets up there. Alex Rodriguez, tense, focused, intense. And Manny Ramirez is like, are you even going to pick the bat up, bro? <laughs> and he will hit the ball unbelievably well. But one, when you watch him, looks like he's working from a place of rest and great comfort. Yeah. Not trying to achieve, just letting himself be who he is and accomplishing great things for his sport. And home run after home run after home run after home run he would hit. Alex Rodriguez, on the other hand, he'll stand there. So intense. So dialed in, he looks miserable. He achieved great things in his sport with some help. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that, with some help. But did he ever look like he enjoyed the game? Did he ever look like he enjoyed what he's doing? So many of us come to the church with the achievement personality, the achievement lifestyle, that if I'm going to be great in the kingdom, I've got to accomplish this. I've got to be like so-and-so. I've got to be better. And you're coming so dialed in, so intense, and you're working from a place of achievement rather than receiving and just enjoying and letting express who you are in the kingdom. And since I've changed this in my own personal life, because I used to be the Alex Rodriguez, I used to be the one dialed in, so intense, so focused. I'm, everything's got to be. And I was working from a place of achievement and self rather than from a place of being who God created me to be. Joel being Joel. Just like Manny is Manny. In your life, your work ethic. It should come from who you are. You should do everything you do to the very best of your ability because we do everything in excellence at TWBC. You should do everything to the very best of your ability. And what is excellence? Excellence is doing it better tomorrow than you did it today because you're always growing, you're always achieving, you're always striving to become better. You're going to do it in excellence, but let excellence in what you do it in be fun because you're receiving it from the kingdom, not be achieving it from the kingdom. Because if you're achieving it from the kingdom, you're going to be like the second son in the parable of the prodigal son who stands outside the house or the tent when everybody else is in celebrating and you'll be bitter and you'll be mad and you'll think the father's withholding something from you when actually he's all along been trying to give you everything because it's already yours because you're a partner in the kingdom of God. 
your work ethic has got to change. You got to enjoy what you do. You got to love what you do. You got to be passionate about what you do, but do it from a place of rest in the kingdom of God. So the first thing I want to ask you this morning, and I want you to respond to today at the altar call is this, how are you working? First of all, am I working? If you're not working, you need to come to the altar today and commit that I'm going to start doing something for the kingdom of God in this church at TWBC. If you're not involved in something, you need to get involved in something. If the only thing you do is a Sunday morning worship service, I'm telling you, you're not even scratching the surface of your full potential as a believer. I want you to step in and I want you to do something great. But if you're already doing something and you're miserable at it, I want you to change your work ethic. Change your work ethic. Because the only way you can give out from the kingdom is what you receive from the kingdom. If you're always working, I'm going to be a greeter so tomorrow maybe I can be an usher so the next day in three years from now I can be maybe involved in this ministry so I can work my way up to this ministry. If that's how you think it works, you're never going to get anywhere in this church. It's not an achievement corporate ladder lifestyle. It's a finding your gift, finding your calling because you're created in Christ Jesus to do good works for his kingdom. And then you be you with your specific display of the gospel, how God can use you to touch somebody that Joel can't reach. And you go be you in the kingdom of God. So you need to find out how is your work ethic. And then everything we do, this is going into the operation standpoint. So everything we do with our work ethic, we're doing it to do good works, which are the operations of the church, are the things of the church that God has going on. And in John chapter 6, verses 29 and 30, it says this, And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God. Now listen, it's fixing to tell you everything about the work that you're going to do. The operations of the church. This is the work of God that you believe. The work of God is that you believe in him who has sent. He has sent. The work of God is this. It's to believe. If I get up and say, I believe, and because I believe, I'm going to get up and do, that's not what it says. It says the work of God is to believe, and because I believe, it's a natural outcome of what I do. The work of God as a Christian is to believe in the one he has sent. And that's where you got to go back to the very first message, paid in full, all the way across the board, that you live in assurance that he's done everything for you. Joel can do nothing on his own, but it's all from what I receive from what Jesus Christ has done. And I believe in Jesus Christ so much that I'm going to show a display of my faith and I'm going to talk to this person about Christ. Or I'm going to serve on this team. Or I'm going to help out in this area. Or I'm going to watch people get baptized and I'm going to take care of the needs there. Or I'm going to do something. And what I do I do because I believe in him not because I believe in doing something see a lot of us we just believe in doing something we don't believe in him and do and so we do something see if you just believe in doing something because you're supposed to do something you're working from achievement based and you're in the wrong worth ethic you got to work from receiving base and in this process what we begin to do we must begin to do all the works we do because we believe. This is the work of God. That you believe. That you believe in him. This is the work of God. That you believe. Because I'm telling you, the hardest thing you'll ever do when you step out there in this position of, uh, of being full partner with him is to believe that he's already taken care of it all. <laughs> Come on now. It's to believe that Jesus has already paid it all in full. The hardest thing you'll ever do is to believe because when you don't think God's coming through on time, you're going to go do something to make it happen. (laughs) Come on now. No, the work of God as a Christian is to learn how to believe. 
The work of God as a Christian is not to go out and feed all the homeless people first. That should be an outpouring because we believe. And if it's just because it's what you do, you're working from achievement base, not a receiving base. And in so many of our lives, we work like this. We work because we say we believe. But when God doesn't come through like we think he should, we go out and try and make things happen. So the question is, do you really believe? Do you believe that he can get you from your current situation to your final destination? Or if God doesn't show up by tomorrow at noon, you're going to do something about it. Now, there are times because you believe God has you do stuff to make things happen in the kingdom. You have to get up off your blessed assurance sometimes. I'm cleaning it up some. I got in trouble a few weeks back, okay? You got to get off your blessed assurance sometimes and show that you believe in the assurance and get up and use the gift that he's given you. And this is, when you talk about it, it sounds like a fine line, but when you live it, there's not even a close line at all. When you talk about it, it's like, well, how do we stay truly fully in this, but go do the works, but not get across where I'm doing it out of my power, not in his power. Once you've experienced doing it in his power, you'll never go back to doing it in your power. And the work of God is to continue to believe in him and doing it from this position, because it's so easy when you've got a mindset like mine to get over here and do it from this position and doing it out in an achieving-based mindset. Listen to this. The Bible says this, Romans 14, chapter, chapter 14, verse 23. And everything that does not come from faith or believing is sin. John, or Romans chapter 14. It says, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. That's a scary thought for me. Because for many years... People say, wow, Joel, that was such a big, huge step of faith to start out and plant a church. Not really. Because I did it in my own security. See, when we first started the church, my tithe from the grocery store I was working at would pay the rent every week. It became a real step of faith when I couldn't afford to pay the rent by myself because we bought a building. Then I was working from a place of faith, not a place of comfort and rest. See, everything that does not come from faith, the Bible said, is is sin. Now, it took faith to respond to the call of God and go do it, but the actual operations for the first couple years, I could do on my own. And it was was normal. So, in your life, you've got to really begin to calculate everything in your life. The work of God is to believe, and everything that does not come from believing or faith is sin. So everything that you do, if it's not coming out of a faith-based step or a step of faith or a continued walk of faith, you're, you're, you're in sin. Ooh, we don't like to hear that. When you come up here every Sunday morning to greet or to love or to worship or to sing on stage or for me to preach, if I'm not getting up here doing it out of faith, if I put it on truth, control, and just coast, I'm getting up here in sin. That's why I promise you this. I'll never preach a message until I've heard straight from the voice of God to you. I'll never do it because other than that, I'm doing it on Joel, not on faith. 
And so I must begin to live this life of faith. And so our operations is this. It's working from a place of confidence that we have as a partner and our place of assurance that we found in him because we've been paid in full. So our working has come, our operations as a church, our walk of faith as a church comes from this place here of confidence who we know we are in Christ. And then our works are a display of that that we do. And so everything that's produced out of here of the partnership role is expressed in the co-laboring role. Everything that we do here by faith is produced by faith, comes from faith because we know we're seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places, is expressed through what we do in laboring. Our laboring should not be to prove that we're a partner. Our partnership should be uh, who we are and our labor should be expressions of our partnership. A lot of us try to labor so much to prove who we are. You should never have to prove your faith. Faith should always be an overflow of your partnership. And if you're not happy with your display of faith or your personal operations in the kingdom of God, if you're not happy with that, you need to investigate more into the partnership problem, not the laboring problem, because your laboring should be just an expression of your partnership. And in my life, I've had to do some serious changing in the past five years of living from a place of partnership and let it be an expression of of what I do in laboring. For example, there are reasons why I only go on specific mission trips now and do things, and you'll hear more about Vietnam next Sunday when we talk about co-mission. I'll give a whole report of what we did the last 10 days uh, over there. But over a couple years ago, I got back from a trip and I was miserable and I was dead tired and I was spent and I had to get back into the, the, the work routine here and get back into my gifting and my calling. And God specifically told me this, Joel, I never want you to go on another mission trip again that is not directly related to your position and your calling. And I said, but God, there's a lot of good works. And he said, I've created a lot of good people to a lot of good works. And the good works I've created you to do are to mentor pastors, do church planting, and do pastors conferences from this point on. Because you are laboring from a place trying to prove your faith and prove your position rather than working from your position and expressing it through your labors. And, and me and God do have those very blunt vocal conversations. Not just a lot of times, all the time. We, we got that good relationship, amen. He doesn't hold anything back, and I don't want him to, amen. amen. That's when you look up and say, yes, sir, dad, you're right. We got this. We're in this together. Your operations must be produced from the fundamental component called faith. And everything we do is an overflow of our position from here. The biggest difference is is you'll notice in your laboring this. If you do it laboring, trying to prove your faith, to prove who you are, it's like digging a ditch with a shovel. And I don't like digging ditches with shovels, amen? <laughs> I mean, how many of y'all like to dig ditches with shovels? Why would you do that when you can go rent a bulldozer? Why would you dig a ditch with a shovel when you can go rent a bulldozer? Or better yet, you can just hire somebody to do it who's good at it. <laughs> amen, thank you, Jesus. That's the biggest difference. When you're working, laboring to try and prove who you are in Christ, you're digging a ditch with a shovel. When you're working from a position of partnership, expressing who you are in Christ as your labor, you're digging it with a bulldozer. And I tell you, there's a lot less effort of me in a bulldozer digging a ditch than me with a shovel sweating it out, working it out, trying to achieve something by my own strength when, when I can achieve it with the Father's strength when I can achieve it with what he's got. 
And so how you're going to do this, how you're going to express everything is the only way things work in the kingdom of God is you lead by example. you got to lead by example in the kingdom of God. And God has set this up in an amazing way. And Jesus modeled it the best. This is what he said. He said in John chapter 5, verse 19 through 20, he said this. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly. Now, I find it funny. Anytime Jesus has to repeat himself. He didn't say truly. Well, why would Jesus have to even qualify that I'm about to tell you truth? He is truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. But every time I read it, when Jesus said, I tell you the truth, or Jesus says, truly, truly, I'm saying he's about to say something so profound that they're not going to get it until he says, listen to me, I'm about to tell you the truth, even though I am the truth, i got to qualify, I'm about to tell you the truth. Right? So God's going to say some things that blow your absolute mind sometimes, so he qualifies it and says, truly, truly, I'm about to tell you the truth, I say to you, the son can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees his father doing. For whatever the father does, that is what the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. So God's fixing to show you something so great that marvels the people around you. But you've got to realize you can only do as an expression of what you see the father already doing. And there are times when Joel has been in ministry that I would do what I thought was best, not what was an expression of what I was seeing the Father doing. And many times when we do that, you're getting caught up in self and you're not leading by example. And when I'm talking about leading by example, uh, the Apostle Paul says this, follow me as I follow Christ. So you should have people wanting to act like you, talk like you, walk like you, be like you, because you're following so close to Christ, you resemble him. But they should never be looking to you. You should always turn them to the Father. You should be there for them, but everything gets turned to the Father and teach them how to model the Father. See, the difference in this company that Jesus is starting is this. God doesn't call people... Well, let me rephrase this. There's a new word that has come about in the past uh, 15 years in our culture, in our society. That new word is simply this. It's the word selfie. That new word is selfie. 20 years ago, the word selfie did not exist. Y'all know what a selfie is. Everybody take out your phone. Everybody get your phone out. If you got a phone, get it out. I'm telling everybody get a phone out of church. Some of y'all, it's a cardinal sin. I know you're like, "Ah, my phone's out of church. No, it's not. It's a demonstration. And you can turn your phone on and you can look at it. And as you look at it, you have the opportunity when you go to your camera to, when you set it up, you can look at it and hit this little button here. And you're first, and everybody else, you can see behind you. You're first, and I see everybody else behind me. And it's the new word that the word selfie has changed our culture. It's changed our world because if you look at most people's phones, there's more selfies than any other picture on your phone. And we've become a selfie culture, and we've even become a selfie kingdom where it's me first and everybody else is behind me. we become a selfie kingdom when God called us to become a mirrored kingdom. We should reflect what the Father looks like, not try and capture who we are in front of everybody. We should reflect what we see in the Father. See, God didn't create selfies. He created mirrors. 
He created us to reflect what we see the Father doing. What we see the Father doing, it, we should look at it and bounce on up and it should reflect to the world. But instead, we're getting caught up in what we see God doing through us and we want to capture ourselves in the midst of it when he never called you to be a selfie, he called you to be a mirror. Right. He called you to be a mirror in the kingdom of God and watch all that God is doing so you reflect it into the world that is around you. You reflect what you see the Father doing in the earth. And Jesus did it the best. He said right here in John chapter 5, I can only do what I see my Father doing. So in fact, what I'm doing here on earth is only a reflection of what I see Daddy doing in heaven. So every person that Jesus raised from the dead, he said, I can only do what I see my Father doing. I, what, what you saw happen here on the earth is just a reflection of what I see God doing in heaven. Every time we as the body of Christ, we lay our hands on a believer and watch the sick recover, it's because we're reflecting what heaven is already doing. Every time we get up here and worship, it should be a reflection of what we see heaven doing. Every time I preach, it should be a reflection of what heaven is saying. It shouldn't be trying to be a, a selfie moment where we capture it and hold on to it, where we're in front of everybody else. It should be a reflection moment where I see what the Father's doing and it just reflects off me to change your life. And when you serve in any area of the kingdom, you must be a reflection of the Father. Amen. You must be a reflection of the kingdom. That's good. You must be a reflection of what you see Him doing. Right. You must be a reflection of what's going on up there to change the culture down here. <coughs> and I want to ask you, have you been a selfie or have you been a mirror? Have the works of the kingdom been all about you and what you can achieve to show your place of position? Or do we need to make some changes this morning and work from a place of position and let it be a reflection and an expression of our laboring? Worship team, come on up. Ministers, come on up and pray. I got three questions I want to ask you this morning before we go into this altar call. The first one is this. What is your work ethic like or is there a work ethic? What is your work ethic like? Are you serving in the kingdom of God? Are you actively doing something? If not, you need to pray about it this week and commit to doing something by next week. You're saying, I don't know what my gift is. I don't know what my call is. What better way to find it out than just start serving somewhere? And what the, the worst thing that can happen is you'll find out what you're not good at. Amen. <laughs> A lot of people want to start jumping right into what they're great at when, Damon, the truth of the matter is sometimes God's got to work out things through you and in you to get you to where you're fully called to be. I mean, he's gone through it, I've gone through it, Jeff's gone through it, Mitch has gone through it, Pastor Derek's gone through it. Sometimes he's got to work the things out of you that don't got to be there in the process of getting you to there. And the Bible says this, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. If you're not serving somewhere, I'm telling you to get a work ethic and start serving somewhere in the kingdom of God. Jump in somewhere. Help out somewhere. Second of all, when you, when you work. I need you to work from your position, not your job description. Your job description will be fulfilled by a reflection of what your position. Next thing in your operations. What have you been doing by faith lately? A lot of us, we get into this routine and it's like, I can just do it because I'm good at doing it. But what have you done by faith lately? Where you've had to take a step of faith to do it. Where you've had to take a step of faith and go out there with 
whatever you are, whoever you are, when is the last time you did something that you truly know is by faith? Because anything that does not come from faith is sin. And some of us, we need to come up here and just say, Father, forgive me because I've sinned. I've been doing a lot of stuff, but it didn't require faith. Time to step out and let's do it by faith. And finally, what's the focus? Are you reflecting the kingdom of heaven? Or are you trying to capture yourself in the midst of the moment? Some of us need to get rid of the selfie mentality and the selfie lifestyle. So as you all stand this morning, where are you at? I've given you plenty of things to respond to. And theologically, if you go through seminary training, I jacked the whole message up because I gave you too many things to respond to. I'm not worried about seminary training. I'm worried about reflecting the culture of heaven. And I believe God's in a time and in a moment and in a day when he's wanting to expand his kingdom rapidly. I believe he's trying to do a movement so he can, so he can uh, do something amazing in your life. I believe he wants to touch you in a moment so things can happen moving forward. And so this morning, how's your work ethic? How are your operations by faith? And are you trying to capture yourself in the moment or are you trying to reflect what heaven's doing? Any of these things I need you to respond to and get right in your life and watch what God begins to do this week in your life. But most of all, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, today is the greatest day of your life. He's going to come into your life. He's going to change your life forever because the Bible says this, if you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved or born again. And that's the purpose of why we do what we do. So you have an encounter with the Father so you can connect vertically so we can reach horizontally. Would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, as they come, not if they come, as they come. As they come this morning, God, touch their life immediately. Change their life eternally. As they go to the communion table of God, transform who they are. Change us in this place. The altars are open in three, two, one. Get ready to come. Let's pray together.